Welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis, and especially welcome to one of our Thursday shows. Love, love our Thursday show. Every single week, we have a wonderful guest in studio. We have an in-depth conversation about a very important topic, and we also have a studio audience, which is just so much fun. Appreciate people coming and joining us for the show today. Today, our guest is Kevin Freeman, and you may recognize that name. He's been on our show quite a few times, actually. I want to give a briefest of introduction to him because I want to spend most of the time talking about all that he understands about our current economic situation in America, cryptocurrency, CBDC, and all sorts of other great things, including uh, possibly the Texas Boyan Depository. Not possibly, we'll talk about it, but possibly making it more exciting for us. So, Kevin Freeman is really considered one of the world's uh, leading experts on the issue of economic warfare and financial terrorism. Uh, he's written three books. I think he was on our show, but all three of them, According to Plan, Game Plan, and Secret Weapon. Uh, he's a really uh, very long experienced and deeply insightful thinker about economics, about how economics affects everyday life and freedom. Uh, I could list a long list of things he's done, but I think I'll spare you all that. And just welcome to the show, Kevin Freeman. Thank you, Debbie. Well, I mentioned before we started, Kevin, I was talking to my husband right before, about an hour before the show, and I said, I realize we cannot possibly cover everything you know about economics in one hour. So I'm going to be very, because there's so much I going on. I hope not. <laughs> I've studied a long time, went to school, you know, get the degree, got the CFA. I hope we can't do it in an hour. Yeah, Maybe we, an hour and a half. Man, an hour and a half. Okay. Well, um, I'm going to try to keep my question short and let you uh, share with people, because I think I have never heard more people who are, you know, educated and hardworking and pretty seemingly financially stable feel so concerned about America's economic situation, what's happening to our economy, what's happening in the world. So I want to start with a simple thing so we all get in the same definitional page. Quickly, what does reserve currency mean, just basically? The reserve currency of the world means it's the primary currency that people hold when they have extra money. So Saudi Arabia made the dollar their reserve currency back in 1973 when they created the petrodollar. So when the Saudis got extra money from selling oil, they would hold it in reserve, that extra money, and that meant they would hold US treasury bills and treasury bonds. They held it in dollars. The reserve currency throughout history has been the primary currency that people would hold. At one time, it was Spanish. Another time, it was British pound. Uh, it's been various things throughout history, but it's never been the same thing for more than 100 years. And, and I, I read this, but you may, I may not have read the right sources. The, America's dollar has been the reserve currency mostly since mid-1950s. Is that right? Yeah, so certainly since the end of World War II. Uh, some would say a little before the, even before World War II started, yeah. we were the up and coming nation. The British Empire was the one that was receding. And so the British pound uh, turned into the American dollar. But with Bretton Woods, right after World War II, yeah. the dollar became the primary reserve currency. And that's for the whole world. Because the dollar is considered, relatively speaking, stable. Yeah, Correct. no, every, and if you want to do business, if you want to buy oil, if you want to conduct business or trade between Brazil and China, they would do it in dollars. They used to do it in dollars. That's where I want to head first. So the BRICS nations, B-R-I-C-S nations, in fact, Putin had a statement out not too long ago that, you know, really, why can't we make the pooled currencies of the BRICS nations, why can't they just be, let's push for those to be the reserve currency? Does it really matter to America? Oh, absolutely. It matters to America. This is new for Vladimir Putin. In 2008, when we had a financial crisis, Putin was upset. And you can read all of the writings in Russian. And he was dramatically upset that America benefited from the crisis that he believed we caused, the banking crisis uh, of 2008. So what happened is people panicked and they threw their dollars into U.S. Treasury bonds as the safe haven asset. So we, our government took in tons of money and our interest rates went down because there was a financial crisis. Other countries were suffering. So we said, we've got to end the dollar's reserve currency. That's when I started following this and, and when I got involved in economic warfare. The Chinese, he tried to talk the Chinese in the summer of 2008 into crashing our currency. But at that moment, the Chinese Communist Party was not ready. They weren't ready till 2013 when Xi Jinping came to power. 
Well, that's, that's a good direction to go then. I do want to be sure we get to the current bank failures, the big ones that made everyone frustrated and concerned, uh, the domestic and foreign pressures on America's economy as a means of warfare, uh, what we can do about that in Texas, which I mentioned. Um, I definitely want to get to that one. But you sent me something that was very prescient and uh, really a good read. Um, it's called, I have it on my phone. I had it printed out on my desk at home. But it's called The Message No One Wanted to Hear, a speech you gave in 2012. Part of what you were talking about in there was how um, China has defined warfare against America uh, in a variety of ways. And, and one of them is economic. And in the uh, 1999 book, and I meant to bring it, I saw you had it in your show, the 1999 book is right by my bedstand uh, that is basically China outlining two uh, generals in, in the uh, CCP army. Senior colonels at the time, they're generals now, but yes. Okay, so, okay. Writing about how they can take down America, essentially unrestricted warfare. Among the ways, uh, they, there were five kind of big categories, but the big one that that matters today was economic. So China sees America as a way to take over America in part by attacking our economy. Oh, no question. And in fact, they wrote a whole chapter about George Soros mm -hmm. in 1999. And they're talking about him being a financial terrorist. Why? Because he broke the currency of the Bank of England. He cracked the Bank of England, broke the currency. That's how he became a billionaire, by the way, and made a billion dollars in a single day. And, and yet he almost destroyed the British economy. And they said, hey, that's a new form of warfare. Now, they also mentioned that same book, Osama bin Laden, in 1999, not in 2001 when we all first heard about him, in 1999, and they mentioned him in context of the World Trade Center, which I think is interesting. Oh, more than interesting. Okay, so let's, let's go back, though, to, you know, because I think people watch, for example, uh, the big collapse of the Silicon Valley Bank, and to many people it was, it was a shock. And we think, well, those are just poor management, poor economic handling, uh, pressure of inflation, economies, all sorts of different reasons. But you point out uh, in one, and we're going to go back uh, to China, but you point out there that the economy in America has enemies foreign enemies and people who use the economy to harm America and domestic enemies too. Right. No, and, and, and part of Silicon Valley Bank's problem, just part of it, was they're excessively woke. They gave $74 million to Black Lives Matter. Uh, they, their chief risk officer at one point was more worried about diversity, equity, and inclusion than the soundness of the assets on the balance sheet. Even having said that, they got swept up in this massive Biden inflation and they listen to the regulators. They put a lot of their money in long-dated treasury bonds. And what that means is when interest rates go up, bond prices of existing bonds go down. Because who wants a bond paying 1% when you can get a bond that pays 4%? So the value of the 1% bond goes down. Well, they were held on the books and a bunch of people figured that out. And there was a run on the bank. And so they literally started pulling their money out of the bank. That is just the tip of the iceberg of the banking problems that we have. But it is also interesting to note that they had a China branch. And we are bailing out Chinese tech companies that had their money in Silicon Valley Bank. Because of what Janet Yellen said, we're going to we're, FDIC, we're going to cover everything. Yep. So we're bailing out Chinese tech companies with Fed dollars, with our dollars. Yeah, that, were, that had their assets in Silicon and, Valley in, Bank. In the bank. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I want to go back one more thing. The reserve currency, just to make sure of something. So reserve currency it being held in the U.S. dollars, it is a it's just views a stabilizing influence. So BRICS, for example, wanting to say, why, why do we have to get the dollar? Let's go after other things. It is a way of signaling not just that we don't want America to be dominant, but actually it's a signal of the weakness of the dollar. Is that right? Well, the, yes. There are several points. Number one is the BRICS nations were formed by Putin for this purpose, to destroy the dollars. Nobody realizes that. They think, oh, it's just you know, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, and now Saudi Arabia. Oh, they're not really actually working to get, no. Putin's dream, whether Brazil knew it at the time or India knew it at the time, his dream was to destabilize the dollar. And we have the Russian papers that show that. So that was the purpose. They turned it into an investment concept, you know, like yeah. FANG, only BRICS will... But the reality, they're about two-thirds of the world's population. And with that, they have a lot of the trading activity, and they have made a point that they no longer, why do we need the dollar? 
they said. And then Malaysia picks up on this. So the head of Malaysia says, get out of dollars. Kenya picks up on this. They say, get out of dollars. And you know what I think the trigger? Personally, I think the trigger is when you see the president of the United States hauled in and arrested, that's the trigger to lose confidence in the American dollar. They're playing that for all it's worth outside this country about all of the, the tin pot dictators that we have arresting his political opponent. Yeah, I mean, that, as you might imagine, has been the topic of several recent shows uh, on my show, America Can We Talk, just about the, the horrible light it puts America in that we are living in this, I mean, the abuse of power, the politicization of the criminal justice system to go after, it, it, it's outrageous. And to indicate your point, it's economically damaging too. Yeah, the BRICS nations, I mean, these stats are even, I guess, low, but it's 24% of the world's GDP is in the BRICS nation. Yeah. nations and over 10% uh, of the world's trade. Uh, this, anyway, it's a huge thing. And, with and about two thirds of the population of the world, because you have China and India, the yeah, two largest two. nations on earth. And, but when you stop and you think about the, the BRICS nations, if they end the dollars reserve currency, people say, well, is that so bad? You, essentially, it's like cutting off your credit line. You, you bought this teaser rate credit card. They sold you on it, and it was a 1% credit rate uh, interest rate credit card and you run it to the max and then you just get cut off because they refuse to fund you. The Chinese have already cut us off. They had a trillion dollars of our debt. They have like 800 billion now, but it used to be 10% of all our outstanding debt. Right In 2008, they held 10% of all of our debt. Now they hold something like 2% of our debt. Okay. And, and for the you know, Chinese is Economics 101, what difference does that make to the average American? Well, all right, so we have $32 trillion in debt. Interest rates, according to the Federal Reserve, are gonna to go to 5%. Let's just use that as a round number. In my lifetime, in your lifetime, they were at 10% at one point. Well, let's just say 5%. That means that we're gonna spend $1.6 trillion on interest only. The total tax receipts of all the American people is $2.6 trillion, not counting uh, FICA, not you know, Medicare yeah. and Social Security, not counting that. That's supposed to be put aside in lockbox, just actual $2.6 trillion and about $400 billion in corporate taxes. That's a total of $3 trillion in taxes. One point, more than half of it will go to interest only, which means we'll have to borrow more money to cover the interest which creates a debt spiral. If you don't have foreigners willing to buy your debt and hold it, then you don't have a place to sell it. You then become Zimbabwe, Argentina, mm -hmm. Weimar, Germany. You become a nation. The only reason America with our massive debt has not collapsed economically like those others that had a debt spiral is because we're the reserve currency and people have to have dollars. If you take that away, you have real risk. Okay, so it's a massive problem for, for long term for the American economy. I, I just, I, I, that was a beautiful yeah, hyperinflation. Yes, okay. Yeah, go ahead. So, I mean, it, it could mean that if, if you've got to produce, uh, print so much money that you're paying the interest every year, we'll be at 50 trillion in debt by the end of this decade. We'll be at 100 trillion by the end of the next decade. There is no reason for anybody to want to hold dollars. What do you want to hold? I want to have something different. Give me another currency or give me something real and tangible. This is how hyperinflation start. We've got to be careful to not lose that reserve currency status. Okay, there's a, a term, uh, modern monetary theory, which has been thrown around a bunch. And, 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 and I may be missing the point of it, but because for so long America's debt grew and grew and whatever political party was in power blamed the other side and both parties said, oh, we're really going to, and we're not going to do this anymore. We're going to bring our spending under control. And all we do is spend more, grow the debt, not just the deficit spending yearly, but grow the debt. And at some point people conclude, so what? I mean, everyone's been clamoring for 20 or more years how bad the debt is. Nothing bad ever seems to happen. So why are we worried? Because we are the reserve currency. Yeah. That's the only reason we can get away with that massive debt increase. And if we lose that, we will no longer be able to do this. It's like getting your credit line cut off. Yep. The only thing they'll do then, and, and this, is, this is what will happen. This is how it works in all these nations. If you lose the reserve currency status and you have to borrow, and foreigners won't buy your debt, you have to borrow from internally, which means they're going to come to every one of you all and every one of your viewers and everyone else and say, you know, the only safe thing to have is U.S. government debt. 
you shouldn't be investing in anything else. And therefore, every IRA will be mandated to have at least 20% or 30% or 50%. It has to be in treasury bonds because it's the only safe thing. And we're going to, the Committee on Safety will tell us that we have to have <laughs> yeah. this. The Committee on Safety, that's a good one. Okay, so let, we, we have a lot of things I want to cover today. That, I mean, I am fascinated by all that you understand. But I do want to jump just quickly to the, um, to the bank failures that happened. Obviously, I mentioned to you before we started, I played that little clip in my show, too, about how uh, from the wonderful Christmas time movie, you know, it's a wonderful life. And, and, and he's trying to explain, George Bailey's explaining to the community why you, know, you can't all come in at once and take all your money out because your money's in his house, his money's in her house. Yeah. Yeah. Just quickly talk about what, I mean, it's, it's a financial concept. He was, it's fractional. Yeah, we have fractional banking, yeah. which, you know, he, he explained it quite well. You take your money and you deposit it in a bank. Technically, legally, it's not your money anymore. And most people don't know that. You, oh, it's my money in the bank. It's not your money. It's actually a debt the bank owes you. You're a creditor of the bank by law. And you're guaranteed on that credit the first $250,000. But technically, it becomes an asset of the bank and a debt unto you. And then if they go belly up, you get in line with all the other creditors to get your money out. Fractional banking is because they're taking it and they're investing it, hopefully in safe things that they'll have available to them. Uh, they sometimes put it in houses. They sometimes put it in treasury bonds. They sometimes put it in you know, various other investments. They loan money out. But it's, it's not all there if you want to show up at the bank and get your money out and you put a million dollars in the bank. There's not a vault in this country, I think, that has a million dollars of cash in it at the moment. Yeah, and everyone in America historically, because we've been so, so stable as a country, our economy's been stable, people don't really worry about their money in the bank. I mean, they don't, they don't sit and worry about, if I really need it out, I couldn't get it. But, but you can get it out now, you can pick this thing up, dial in on your bank, press a button, and you can move the money. You don't even have to show up and line up. Right. And that's what t caused this. Kim.com tweeted, there's yep. a run on the bank coming. And he tweeted it, get your money out now. And that, by the way. About Silicon Valley. Yeah. About about. What is going to happen next? And the, the World Economic Forum has wargamed this. What they will do next is they will, if you say anything bad about a bank, well, that's malinformation. It's not disinformation. It's not misinformation. It's malinformation because it could cause a run on the bank. And so we have to cut off your Twitter feed. And maybe if you say something, it's a lot like shouting fire in a theater. You should go to jail because you said something. You know, so you said, hey, I'm getting my money out of the bank, and they, you know, the, the, they come up and arrest you for that as a domestic terrorist. Oh, I, I can completely see that coming. You made allusion to the World Economic Forum, and you know, a lot of what people have been talking about is this great reset coming. And the people, there's pressure in America among many high-level people that are supposed to be on America's side, really are more trending toward wanting the World Economic Forum, the globalist government, to become... Um, to become the reality, to, to minimize America's place and sovereignty and individual, yeah, go ahead. No, that's about Barack Obama wants that, Joe Biden wants that, the globalist Klaus Schwab wants that, the Chinese want that, the BRICS nations want that, everybody but red-blooded patriotic Americans want that. Right, the two of us, that's two people, we don't want it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and many others. Okay, let me, I want to turn to cryptocurrency, we're going to keep weaving in and out of China's role, but. And by the way, I want to say just this. We're going to get to the solution. I know you're going to let us get there. Don't turn away because there is good news and there is a solution here in Texas. With your help, we can make, we can stop this nonsense and turn it back to the positive. I love it. And I, you, we are going to get to it. We, yeah, we are going to get to it. We are, but I do want to lay out why and people are so concerned. And I think in part, if you're not, you know, if you didn't study economics, you're puzzled by the sense of uncertainty and people talking about collapse, what will happen. Okay, so let's turn to cryptocurrency briefly. Yep. Cryptocurrency is just basically, it's digital money. Right. Okay, so in cryptocurrency, I, I mentioned to you, there's a, this was burgeoning as an interesting thing, uh, private cryptocurrency. Right. People say, well, buy Bitcoin, buy that. Uh, and that was a um, viewed as mostly a convenience thing. You don't really worry about money. It's all in a digital form. Is that well, there's three real values to cryptocurrency, and the third one is speculation, but let me talk about the first one. Bitcoin is private. It's anonymous. Nobody knows that you have it. That is a, that is a 
special unique advantage to Bitcoin or any cryptocurrency is, is that it's anonymous. The second advantage is it's scarce. When you create a um, cryptocurrency, you say this is how much you can mine of that cryptocurrency, that's how much it's going to be available, and they won't allow any more of it beyond this amount, so you can only mine a certain amount of Bitcoin, so it's scarce. And then the third thing is you put those two together and people saw something that cost, it was worth pennies and at one point it was worth one Bitcoin equals $60,000. People say, it's a speculation. It's a lottery ticket. So those are the three values of Bitcoin. So Bitcoin got started very trendy for some people. Um, we didn't ever happen to invest in, but very trendy. I told you before we started, I saw, just seen an article today that was reporting the idea that the uh, U.S. Treasury uh, came out with a statement, I guess today, the burgeoning decentralized cryptocurrency market threatens U.S. national security. They're complaining essentially that cryptocurrency being traded between citizens and banks, they, it's a threat to national security. I, I, I don't think that, and, and essentially they're saying because they don't have any control over it. They don't have any access to it. So is it a national security threat or what's their, what's their motive? I would just change that last word to threat to national control. Yes. Pull security out. They, th there is no reason that it's a threat except, here's the problem. People see what's going on in the banking system, people see what's going on with the dollar, and they say, hey, I'm gonna move some assets over here. And so they say, whoa, you do that, and everybody's got some safe place to hide. No, 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 we've gotta force everybody into the, fail. just like they force everybody into the failing schools, we wanna force everybody into the failing monetary system, and we'll all go down together. Exactly. It's, a, it's that control issue. They, they are frustrated because people in large amounts are trading outside of their control, doing transactions. The government can't um, figure it out. So they can't be in control of it. So now there's been a proposal by the Biden team, uh, CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency. And I'll only say it once. I've been calling it in my shows, Communist Banking Digital Control. That's what it is. But OK, CBDC. Briefly describe what's the difference between the CBDC digital stuff and what cryptocurrency does. Yeah, well, there's only one thing they have in common, which is digital. They're all digital. What CBDC is, is the way to go into true modern monetary theory, make out of nothing, out of thin air, make as much money as you possibly can, but it's programmable money. And that's not a conspiracy theory. That is when the Federal Reserve did a study, when the president signed the executive order and they wrote their study, they actually talk about the programmable features of the money. They can control the who, what, when, where, and why of the money. They can control who has it. They can take it from one party and give it with a touch of a switch, you know, the click of a mouse, and they can move money from your account to your husband's account or to my account or to somebody who is male that's wearing a dress, their account, because they haven't been treated very well and you've had a good advantage in life. They can do it like that. They can control the who. The what, they can determine if you have money and you say, well, my cholesterol is a little high and you go and visit McDonald's and you want to buy a cheeseburger, bam, I'm sorry, your card's been declined. Why? You look on the app and it'll say, well, you should be eating a salad. Your cholesterol is too the high. The CBDC app will be able to track what they you're spending. Will track down to who has it, where you're spending it, why you're spending it. You'll if you go outside your zip code, you're under lockdown because we're we're under a lockdown from a pandemic. You you try to spend money to buy gasoline. I'm sorry, you're not allowed to have a gas-powered car. You, I'm going to go to Lowe's and I'm going to buy a gas-burning stove. No, 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 no. You're not allowed to buy a gas-burning stove. They can literally track it down to the individual purchase level, the location, and the timing. They can say, Debbie, you know, the economy is a little slow. We need to speed up spending. So the money in your account is only going to be good for 30 days. You better go spend it or you'll go lose it. it okay, I'm gonna, you use the term programmable. Yes. And that is in something the administration, the Biden administration put out describing CBDC. Is the that Federal correct? Reserve Federal uses Reserve that did. talks about the programmable features of money. So they're acknowledging they can control things. And yes. by the way, just as I, I love images, but you know, it's if I had just private cryptocurrency and I send some to you or my bank sends it to your bank, the government doesn't see it. This means this whole CBDC central bank is they see everything, correct? Yes. Yeah, so no anonymity. It's very yeah. different from Bitcoin. And no scarcity. Yeah. They can make as much of it as what, and then they have the nefarious additional point that they can control you with your money. It is the it is the software of the mark of the beast. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. So you said who, what, when, where, why. So basically, if we were to get to this, it is, and I know they're starting a pilot in July or something. I mean, Fed now comes out in July. It is the it is the rails on which the train of CBDC will operate. It is their in basic infrastructure that they've tested, and they will launch it in July. And, and you have to have that Fed now in order to make CBDC work, and it's going to be rolled out this July. Okay, so this wasn't something Congress passed. This is just the Biden administration. Is that accurate? It was the Fed operating so, under the authority that Congress has given them. One can question if that the Federal Reserve Act in, includes this or not. That's for, for attorneys. Uh, but, it's, but yes, it's nothing the Congress has passed. States are trying to stop it. We're going to get to, yes, I know you want, I can't, I want to get no, to that too. But, but not just that, states are trying to stop it like uh, there's bills in the Texas legislature and a lot of places, no CBDC. They will fail because under the Constitution, the Federal Reserve, or not the Federal Reserve, the Congress can coin money and they gave that power to the Federal Reserve. So those bills will fail. What they're trying to sneak into the Uniform Commercial Code though, and you may have talked about this, Christy Nome vetoed it, they're trying to sneak in language that the only digital currency that will operate within the state that passes the UCC is the digital dollar, Biden bucks, the, the CBDC. Feds, oh, Biden bucks, like that, the, the, yeah, what the feds controlling and putting yeah. out. Okay, I just want to keep hitting these bullet points and then we'll continue, but so this is something that's being put on by or created by the Fed. It is a program that starts not as an absolute mandate for everyone by July, but it's, the, the framework is there. The Fed is pushing this to say we basically need digital currency. We don't need to have private banking currency, it's just digital currency. And in the Uniform Commercial Code, which is basically the uh, the, what is used by states to coordinate so they all have similar, we can do transact business, we, we all have similar definitions and, and procedures and requirements. And so they're trying to work into the Uniform Commercial Code this notion that the only kind of digital currency permissible in the states is, is the Fed CBDC. Correct. Yeah, no, no question. And the Fed isn't alone. America's not alone. 114 nations are building their own crypto, central bank digital currencies. Uh, but but yes, the only one you could use in, a, in any state that passes that UCC uh, would be the digital dollar. And you mentioned Christy Noam, South Dakota governor, who vetoed the UCC uh, bill that she got from her Congress, her uh, legislature, because she saw that provision. She Correct. Was, she was actually, which and was David a great thing. David Barton and and Glenn Beck are going state by state by state, warning them, don't pass this. David Barton's involved in that too. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay, he, he's great. I mean, and so is Glenn Beck. So this is where we are. They're trying to do all this. And now there is a notion uh, that you have, and I have many other topics, but in my earlier warning, we can't get to everything. I do want to make sure and get to what is happening um, in Texas and what you've really been uh, advocating for several years, um, which is this idea that we already have in Texas. I wrote down the name you told me. We already have the Texas Boyan Depository. Correct. So we can put gold in the Texas Boyan Depository, or, or silver, I guess. Right. My, my uh, state rep, was a candidate for state rep, Giovanni Cabriglione, came knocking on my door and said, hey, um, would you vote for me? I'm running against a rhino. And I said, yeah, sure. And he said, do you want anything? I said, I want a bullion depository. He happened to be the one guy in the legislature who understood what that was. And he said, you know, I've had that dream for a long time. We moved about $800 uh, million worth of, of gold from New York back to Texas and held it in our own depository. It was held by the Texas A&M and UT Austin uh, by their endowments, but we sold it. But we moved it and built a depository to hold it, and then they promptly sold it. Okay, when you say depository, it's physical gold? It's physical gold. It is a vault. It's a vault. A okay. literal vault in Leander. And you can go to texasbullyondepository.gov, and you can open an account, and you can show up there with your gold and deposit it, and they will hold it for you. Okay, so anyone, anyone gold holder, and actually, by the way, that even if you didn't live in Texas, you can do this. If you live right. in Oklahoma, you can come down here and deposit your gold in that. So it's a safe place to keep gold. Quick sideways on gold, sideways on gold that we had a gold standard in America, which backed the dollar until whatever it was, 71 or something like that, yeah. 1971. And that made the dollar seem more stable to people because it, it was backed by gold. And then Nixon removed that, and we got to a point where we don't have that gold standard anymore. Did, did, that, did that matter a lot at the time? I mean, I'm going to get to everything, but that, did that matter in terms of how people 
Is it, was it mental how they perceived the dollar, or was it actually a damage to the dollar's value? Well, the problem that we have when we moved off the gold standard was that um, France wanted to get their gold out. They didn't want to trade in dollars anymore. And so de Gaulle shows up and says, I want our gold out. And, and so Nixon takes us off the gold standard because he was afraid there was going to be a massive run on and deplete all the gold of the nation. Uh, but think of the inflation of the 1970s when we exited until we got sound monetary policy, not fiscal policy, until we got sound monetary policy under Volcker, inflation was going the wrong direction. We lost the reserve currency status briefly in the late 1970s under Carter, where uh, we were actually having to borrow money in German marks and Swiss franc. And we weren't borrowing in U.S. dollars for briefly, just briefly, yeah. because the foreigners wouldn't loan it to us in that. They thought that our dollar was too risky. Uh, and we got back on it. Reagan turned the economy around. We got Volcker tightened money and all of that. And we got on pretty much a sound money track. And then the wall came down in Germany. The Cold War was over. And we lived off the strength of that for the last you know, 30 years. Okay. So back to now, I want to get to what's happening in Texas. So this Texas Boyan Bank ex uh, Depository exists. And I believe you had this idea, but this idea that, uh, uh, one more thing, the Constitution, U.S. Constitution prohibits any individual state of the 50 states to create their own currency. The, right. the currency must be by the federal, which makes sense. But anyway, the yeah. federal government must be the one source of currency, the dollar. Right. Okay. So the, your idea, I'd love to have you lay it out, which I, I love. It's now there are bills we're going to talk about in the Texas legislature and the state house, Texas state house, Texas state senate, that deal with using gold as a means of uh, permitting people to put gold into this depository and essentially have access to it as though it's kind of like a currency. Is that correct? Yeah, it is you. correct. Okay. Yeah. So, so what we need to do, uh, Jim Cramer was on CNBC this morning, and he said, he made this comment. He said, all my wealthy friends are getting out of the dollar and they're buying gold. And I have a friend who bought $500,000 worth of gold this month. I, I bought my purchase this month to $500,000. Up your purchase. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, number one, I'd love to have 500,000, yeah. period. <laughs> yeah. Let alone have 500,000 in gold, let alone 500,000 this month. Well, wealthy people can do that very easily, and they can go to the Bullion Depository. You all can go to the Bullion Depository, but I, I put twenty dollars to your favorite charity. If two people in this room have money in the Bullion, in gold in the Bullion, do any one? All right. Okay. Two? No. So I don't have to go give to your favorite charity. Okay. But the point being, it's not easy. Is that if, when you buy gold, what do you buy? Do you go to a gold dealer? Do you buy gold coins? Do you buy gold stocks? Uh, what kind of gold do you get? Do you get jewelry? It, it's, it's very confusing. I wrote a whole chapter in my book, Game Plan, on how to own gold. But wouldn't it be nice if I could just go to the bullion depository and say, hey, I'll give you $1,000. You hold it for me in the form of gold, and I can spend it anytime I want to. Uh, give me a debit card, and I'll take the debit card right here that's a MasterCard, I take that and I'll go to dinner and I'll buy my dinner and you just take enough gold to pay for my dinner and send it to Biagi's restaurant. I'd love that. Wouldn't that be convenient? And while you're holding it, by the way, gold when I bought it was $1,800 an ounce. Today it's $2,000 an ounce. So I have over a 10% gain. I don't want to have to take any money out of there and pay tax to the government because I have a capital gain. That would be nice. And if I had it guarded by Texas, insured by Lloyd's of London, and I could use it, I could write checks off of it, I could use the debit card, I could tap it on the app, I could switch between gold and U.S. dollars or silver and U.S. dollars or silver and gold, and I could do it instantly on an app. That would be so convenient, and it would be safe, and it would be a way that my money in my checking account wouldn't be just backed by paper. It would not be backed by gold. It would be gold, mm -hmm. measured in ounces. That'd be so nice. I want an ATM machine added to the gold bullion depository to make it accessible, to make it fair, so poor people can do this, not just rich people. And you could do it down to $100 or $500. That'd be great. And that's what this bill does. Okay, on that subject, so if, if any citizen said, well, I don't have gold, but I wish I did. So could, is this? do these bills contemplate the idea you can just take your 
cash, money yeah. or something, to the Texas Boy and Depository and say, I want you to buy the gold for me. I yeah. hand here's my $1,000, buy me whatever gold I can and buy. And they buy it, they buy pure gold that, that they're certain of the quality and the location and where they get it from and they back it and guarantee it. They buy it with their massive buying power so you're not getting messed over yep. when you go buy it. Like you buy a coin, you wonder how much gold is in it, well, how much am I paying per ounce? You don't worry about any of that. They work with the most reputable gold dealers and that, they do that now. You can do that. But then they have you have to buy it from the dealer and then they have to deliver it and then you can't spend it. You have to ask, ask them to give it back to the dealer and sell it. I want them to make it convenient. It used to be on banking, you'd have to go in and meet with the teller and, and, and do all these. Now you can do online banking. You can t do banking on your phone. You can do banking in an ATM machine. I want them just to modernize that bullion depository and make it easy, accessible, fair. And that's why I think we'll get it passed in Texas because even the Democrats understand this is not for the 1%. They're covered. It's for the this little, is for the 99%. Yeah, it's for everybody. So to repeat those points, this is the Texas Boy and Depository. You, any person could essentially take cash or whatever it means, give money to them. They would purchase gold in your name. So you're, you now own gold in some amount at that bank, and it would be, in your vision of it, you'd be able to get a credit card against that, that gold. A debit card, yes. A debit card, okay, debit card. So you could go out to dinner, and instead of just... Uh, using a credit card like you normally do to pay for dinner, use a debit card, and it, the restaurant is essentially debiting your gold in that in that account. And so the depository remits to that restaurant whatever it is you. Yeah, and and as an alternative, if you don't want to do that, then you could just pay your Mastercard bill with your bullion depository and just enter your debit card information or electronic information and they would pay so you just use it doesn't change your life except for one thing and that's you're just going to be opening another checking account and that other checking account is going to be held in the form of gold and not in the form of paper okay so what is what are the privacy implications about all this say that you know i mean what people don't like about the cbdc is that government is they might know how many reese's cups i buy every week or something if we you know if the cbdc yeah. goes through they, they see things that that everything about your life you're describing earlier they are it's they are watching you texas how banking privacy laws are better than national banking privacy laws and i got to tell you the warning is if you were in Washington, D.C. on January 6th and you were a customer of Bank of America, according to the press reports, Bank of America handed over all the transaction information without a warrant. I know. In Texas, we have privacy laws. So they would have to come to the bullion depository with a court order and say, we need to look at this information. I trust Texas more than I trust the federal government. But even having said that, after we get the bullion depository and we get it transactional, the next job is to shore that up even more to make it with. I don't want terrorists using this. I don't want uh, scammers using this, but I do want privacy. And so we've got to have a very tight line. You have to prove that that's a terrorist that's actually doing that. And I want a legitimate court, maybe a Texas court order. So we'll work on that in the legislature next. Privacy is very important to me. And once we get this passed, but you don't have privacy now in any of your accounts. Right. And so this idea in Texas, if we were to get it passed this session, which would be great, um, it's being pushed by, uh, at least in the Senate side, a, a, a guy who's uh, been a strong, rock solid, consistent conservative on many, many issues. Um, and I can't, be, I can't imagine what the opposition to it is. But in the House side, it's a, a, I think you say he's a new, he's a first term state rep who's, who's pushing bills. You got House and Senate bill going, but every single state could do this, right? Yeah, no. In fact, every single state can do it on a starter kit and use our bullion depository if they want, and then they can peel off and have their own. Oh. The hard part is building the depository. Once that's built and transactionalized, every state can follow, just like my toll tag works in Oklahoma and their Pike Pass works here in Texas. Yep. They'll be able to, and then they can charge a fee. And the beautiful part about this, every time I use this or any other card like it, there is somebody paying a fee. The merchant is paying a fee. So if I use my American Airlines card, I get miles. If I use my Discover card, I get cash back. If I use American Express, I get points. Well, I'm willing to give up miles, points, and cash back if you're holding it in the form of gold and I don't have to pay tax on that gold. 
and that money will go to the state of Texas. Think about that. It's like a 2% sales tax without charging the customer. And your sense is this would not run afoul of the Constitution? No, no, the Constitution, Article 1, Section 10, and then it was tested, the concept was tested in Briscoe versus Bank of Kentucky. And I can get into the long complexities of, the, of, that, of that case to understand why. Bottom line, six to one, the Supreme Court ruled that, that Kentucky could take on U.S. federal money, it's now Federal Reserve notes, and then it was Treasury money, and they could put it in the form of gold and silver, hold it there, write certificates, this is good for an ounce, this is good for a half ounce, this is good for a tenth ounce, that traded like Kentucky-owned currency, traded throughout the United States. Briscoe didn't think it was constitutional, borrowed a bunch, spent it, and didn't want to pay back the debt, and so he sued and he lost. It is legitimate to do this under SCOTUS' decision. It's legitimate to do this. So what happens, you know, people, even before this idea came along, people talk about, well, you should be diversified, have some of your assets in gold. So what if gold, what if you, this plan goes in place and gold goes way down in value for whatever reason there is? That is absolutely a risk. 100% absolutely a risk. If the price of gold goes down and, and your assets are held in gold, then when you transfer them back to, to U.S. dollars, you'll lose money. The question you have to ask yourself is, well, there's two. Historically, gold was $35 an ounce when we, when we um, stopped backing our money in gold. It's $2,000 an ounce today. So 1973, 50 years, it's gone from 35 to 2,000. What's the purchasing power of your U.S. dollar? I don't know from 73 to now, but I think it's lost about two-thirds of its value. It's lost 96% of its value since the Federal Reserve came in in 1913, purchasing power. Wow. So do you want paper or do you want gold, especially with all the other things we've talked about? You ought to have at least a little bit, maybe. I'm, I'm not giving advice. I'm not allowed to give advice. But as for me and my house, I want some of it in gold and silver. Okay. So that's actually there, you know, the implication, well, maybe this isn't a good idea because gold could decline in value. There's nothing that's certain that holds its value. And, whether, and, and any, any investment there is, and, and even the U.S. dollars. You're, as you're Everything's a risk. But a good man's suit in 1913, you could get for one ounce of gold. You can buy a nice man's suit for $2,000 today. It's held its value in consumer terms. There you go. I want to very quickly put up for our, uh, those watching and I'll also for um, those listening, I will sh I'll show this. But if you, this is such a great idea. The more I, I immerse myself in this since earlier this morning uh, and before today, um, I realize that right now it really matters in Texas because these two bills are pending in Texas. So I sent Emilio a slide, my happy producer Emilio. I want to put up and just have you see. Um, okay, so right here it says, and I'll just tell you for everyone listening, you can support these two things, House Bill 4903 and Senate Bill 2334. The name is relating to the establishment of a digital currency backed by gold. But it's, again, HB, House Bill 4903, Senate Bill SB 2334. You can call Senator Brian Hughes' office. I have the number on the screen. Take a screenshot if you're watching. It'll be up on our website later. And also call State Rep Mark DeRazio. There's his number. And basically say, we support these bills. It'd be great to have them hear from you that you support these bills. And then next slide, please. If you don't know who your state rep is, first of all, shame on you. No, I'm just kidding. If you don't know who your state rep is, you can look it up very easily. If you just type in, in any, with any search engine, who is my state rep, Texas, this will pop up. But you can put your name in, your address in, and it will tell you exactly who they are. Because they need to get more sponsors, more supporters. Because these, this is... Great to understand. It's a little obscure to some people. Can, can I make a, a couple of suggestions? Number one. Okay, you want, the, you want, to put, want me to put it back up? Yeah, put it back up. The, the, these, these are great men. I talked to Mark DeRazio on the way coming over here. Okay. And, and so he, he... The first one. Brian Hughes is a Senate hero. Conservatives like him. He passed the heartbeat bill. He yeah. passed... You, you, you have to... If, if somebody donates In God We Trust to a school as a poster... Under Hughes' bill, you have to put it up. He's fighting transgender. He's, he, he's considered a conservative hero. Mark DeRazio is a businessman, a really good guy. He's a solid conservative Christian man, but he's a freshman. He needs help. And so when you call, not don't just say, I support this. Ask how I can help, because if you're in one of the districts, it's going to state affairs. Okay. That's the, the committee it's going to. In the Senate, it's going to the Finance Committee, and I trust Brian's going to, he's close to the Lieutenant Governor. We're going to get that through the Senate, I believe. But in the House, we've got to get a vote in state affairs. And I was going to fly 
I'm supposed to be in Lynchburg, Virginia this next week, and I said, I'll drop that. I'm not speaking for the Admiral at Liberty. I'll come back and testify. And he just called me and said, well, they put it off a week. The, the head of state <laughs> affairs is not going to vote on it this week, so we hope the next week. We hope. This cannot be killed in committee. So when you call DeRazio's office, say, ask them, how can I support this? And I'll give you one other way to support it. it there's an Align Act campaign, and you know what Align Act is. Yep. It'll send every Texas legislator, every one of them, and we've sent 220,000 emails so far. The easiest way that we created a, a pass-through, it's economicworldroom.com slash forward slash gold, G-O-L-D. If you go there and click on that, it'll take you to the Align Act campaign, which is a long, complicated thing to type in. But economicwarroom.com forward slash gold. We don't collect anything from you when you do that. It's a complete pass-through. It's just to make it easy. Then you can point-click send in the language the legislature will understand and accept that says, I want this. Beyond that, if you... When you call Mark DeRazio's office, uh, state rep, ask who is on that state affairs committee because maybe you live in that district. They want to hear from people that live in their district. Ask him, who, who's the rep that's on that committee? And, and we've got to put the pressure on. They have to take a vote. I got a call from Paul Blair. You know Paul Blair, my football, our football playing friend, played for Chicago Bears. He's a pastor. He's a great guy. He called me today and said, Kevin, the most significant piece of legislation in America today at any level is this because it is our digital arc for financial turmoil. It has been worked on for 15 years. We've got to get these bills passed. And it's up to a committee of a dozen Texans, half of which are, are moderate or Democrats. Yeah, yeah. It, it could not be more important. And I love the idea of Texas just kind of they're leading the way. We get it passed here. It, we see it can work. Because I do think, you know, back, we're going to be ready for questions from the audience in just a moment. There's a microphone over there. Um, in just a moment, be ready for that. But this is a, um, a way, a big way, really, to stand up for America and freedom. Because the, if you have this kind of thing going, it is really weakening the effort of the federal government to push CBDC to control every bit of your money. It, instead of having a government, which is, you know, every leftist in this planet loves the idea of controlling everything about your life, including your finances. And so if you get the CBDC going out of Washington, this is a counter. This is a saying, we're not doing that. We're not talking that. If you're an election that. denier, by the way, and, and you've had people on your show, I was on Dr. Bartlett's show. You introduced me to Dr. Bartlett in Midland. I was on his radio show. If you said the wrong thing about COVID or whatever, we're just going to fine you. Well, could that be possible? Actually, PayPal did it. And then they pulled back. They took, they were going to take $1,500 or $2,500 out of every PayPal account. The federal government will know more about you and be able to do that more easily than PayPal. Absolutely true. It is the most, I mean, I think if people can just picture that life, picture America like that, they say, I will do whatever I can to stop this. And this is an easy thing to do to make that phone call and then find out how, as I, I love your saying, find out how much further I can help. Yeah. So I'm Heather. Yeah. One more thing I want to say, right. you remember this. CBDC may go to hell. My money should go to Texas. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's good. I like that a lot. Okay, I believe we have a question over here. Um, and speak right in the microphone. Yeah. Kevin, uh, is there a certain trigger that would tell us that, quote, the American dollar is no longer the reserve currency? And if that were to happen, I mean, if that were to be imminent, is there anything that people and, and that just have their money in regular banks can do, is it any impact on us? I mean, that what's the trigger? We keep hearing about this little encroachments to take it away from us. Is there a final trigger that indicates it's done? Yeah, well, I think the trigger that started the plan was the arrest of President Trump. That was the trigger. I think the when it's done moment is going to be when you see it $150, $200 barrel of oil because uh, the price of oil will be priced in, in Chinese yuan. It won't be priced in U.S. dollars. And when you see things like that happening, the price of anything you buy in China was going to go up because the value of the dollar is going to go down. So that means your, your prices at Walmart. Hyperinflation will be, will be your evidence that we're done. We're done. And then we have to have an alternative way to trade. But wouldn't we rather move our money to gold and silver now while the dollar still has some value? Love that. We have another question right here. Okay. I have several friends who think they're going to make a lot of money buying foreign currency. For instance, the Iraqi money, the Vietnamese money. Can you hear me? Yeah. 
what, what they think once they convert, they're going to make millions of dollars. What's your assessment of that? Okay, so the, those currencies, it's all based on the Kuwaiti dinar, which, which went down to zero or close to it when, when the invasion happened, Saddam Hussein and took over the country, and then it came roaring back. The, it's not going to happen in Iraq. It's not going to happen for a number of reasons, and one of which is Saddam Hussein's not going back into power. It went... It, the, the value of the Kuwaiti dinar went up because the, the head of Kuwait's picture was on the money and he got put back in power. So he just went back and used the same thing. They will never bless and, and help. I got this call from, he's, he's passed on now. He's a very famous Christian singer. And he called me and said, Kevin, is that money, is, is, are my uh, Iraqi dinar going to be worth money? It's no. If, if you go back to, there's an old MASH episode uh, and, and they were in Korea and they had script. And then they just decided they're gonna change the script one day. And so all the merchants came to get soldiers to take the money and exchange it for the new script because there is no way that Iraq is going to enrich Americans that own this. It's just, so that is highly speculative. Now, owning euros or owning yuan or owning Japanese yen, you might make money off those when the dollar goes down. So that. The difference being between a failed state and an actually functioning state. So you might want to invest in currencies and be speculative. You'll pay tax if you make any money off of it, and the federal government might shut it down. But I don't see anybody going to make millions. I, I bought a bunch of Zimbabwe money, $100 trillion bills. I got them for a penny apiece, and I used them to go into Congress. And I took them to the congressman and said, here's $100 trillion. Pay off the debt and give me the change. <laughs> and they said, oh, that's funny. And then they said, I can't accept this. I can't accept any gift that has any monetary value. And I said, good, it's perfect. It has no monetary value. <laughs> but it's an object lesson. This is where our dollar will go if we don't, if we don't arrest course, turn, turn the opposite direction. That's called repentance. I have so many more questions, but I want to make sure our audience um, has the opportunity. We're... Yes, there you go. So many questions, so little time. <laughs> There's a lot going on. Um, I'm curious on, on the banking side of things, right? I mean, we've got banks that are going down. The, the assets were sold for pennies on the dollar. Uh, you know, kind of the government's forced them into the bigger guys. People are pulling money out of regional banks. You know, to push the CBDC, the fewer banks you have, the easier it is also to control. So how do we stop that from happening? How do we slow down and, and, and support our community banks and make sure that, our, that we can keep our banking system not end up with these five main banks? Yeah, well, that is the goal, and, they, and they're doing it the mid-sized regional banks. The, the, the real true community banks are actually not in, in, in as bad a shape. It's interesting, but one of our arguments to avoid the Great Reset is go meet your local banker. Get to know them at a personal level. And it could be a branch of, of, a, of a Texas-based bank. You know, there are several of them, like Frost and others that are here. But go in and meet and understand, meet the tellers meet the bankers, and build a relationship there. You can continue to bank there if their portfolio is not bad and there's not a run. I'd rather have my money in a local bank with somebody I know that's not going to cut me out. I don't want to be Nick Vujicic. And we know Nick, and Nick shows up. He's no arms, no legs in his wheelchair, and most sympathetic guy, nicest guy on the planet. He goes into his bank, and they just tell him, you've been debanked because he spoke at a pro-life conference. They didn't tell them that was the reason, but that was the reason. And so somebody higher up in this big money center bank, the, the high up said, take him off. And they, they closed his account. They forced him to get his money out. Okay. Those kind of stories of a bank really, well, we talked a little, alluded earlier about PayPal going after people who decided, who had hosted an event that didn't agree with their agenda or made a donation to a cause they don't like. The idea of somebody else having power to punish you because of your political views, like the example you just gave, is another great reason just to say, pull as much as you can away from the government's control. Right. Away from the, and, or, or, the, or the big banks that, big that banks. are gonna do that to you. And they're gonna turn on everybody at one point. All tyrannies, all dictatorships do. Even the useful idiots get turned on. Yeah, even the useful idiots get turned on. Absolutely true. Um, you know, if there was another question, I did mean to get, we only have five and a half minutes, but I meant to ask you one quick thing. So people are so concerned about the economy, and they should be. I mean, it's a great time to kind of study what economics really is all about. 
people have money, they work their whole lives, they may be near retirement, they have money sitting in these retirement accounts, and they don't really pay attention, they're, they're not directing the investments, but as hyperinflation potentially comes along, I mean, a really bad inflation, what are you supposed to do to protect yourself? All right, I wrote an entire chapter on this in the book Game Plan, and gold and silver for stability are good because they go up in inflation times. Interestingly enough, stocks with purchasing power and pricing power go up too. In Zimbabwe, what you would do, how, how do people survive when you've got million percent inflation? Yeah. How do you do it? What they would do is as soon as they get paid, they wouldn't go buy food with it. Get on the phone and buy stocks. And the stocks have to keep up with the inflation because the stocks are continuing to do business. So when you go get your gasoline, if it's $3 and it's $5 and it's $15 and it's $50, that company is making a little margin off all of that. And so the value of the equities rises in an inflation and what goes down is the value of the bonds. And if you go into a deflation, the value of the bonds rise and the value of the equities sometimes goes down. So you've got to have a good financial advisor that knows how to have a game plan, which is why we train financial advisors at Liberty University. I'd love to have a quick tell about that program. It's an amazing thing. Yeah, go ahead. Please tell us our, list, our listeners. I think you've done every time I've been on the show and I'm still, I'm smitten with it. It's so impressive. It go is ahead. the National Security Investment Consultant Institute, NSIC Institute. We train advisors in eight week course. They go through all of this that I'm talking about. They try and get, because I can't do it in an hour, but maybe we can do it in eight weeks. <laughs> we try and dump out and train the advisors so that they can protect their clients and help them weaponize their money. They're giving, they're spending, and they're investing. You've got to give for liberty. You've got to spend for liberty. You've got to invest for liberty. We support liberty, security, and values, not ESG, not nonsense. And we train them over that eight week period. If you don't, if you have an advisor, please send them to us. We need to train more of them. Beg your advisor to come. And if you don't have an advisor, call us. We'll give you the handful that have gone through the training. And you'll say you can talk to them and see if, you, if they're a fit or not. We don't recommend investments. We don't recommend advisors, but we train them. And one way, aspect of training them is, um, as I understood it, was you're training them to recognize when investments are really going really against American, the interests of the American people, the American economy. You're training what companies you end up, you're ending up investing. If you're in this mutual fund, you're actually supporting China. You're supporting right. companies in China that build weapons that kill American soldiers. I mean, it's a, it's a wide open thinking about what your investment money. And how to accumulate capital for good things like a Google killer that you and I've talked about, Eric, we've talked about how to aggregate capital to invest in things that will save America. So it's not just avoiding things, but it's also proactively investing in things. Kevin Freeman, that's great. So it's NSIC.org. Correct. Okay, I love anyone's financial advisor, anyone listening, take a look at it, it's the most amazing thing. Kevin Freeman, uh, we're almost up uh, with an hour. I just, um, I feel like I barely skimmed the surface, but I want to thank you so much for coming in today. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, flew by. It's always a pleasure. It, you ask the best questions, you have the best audience, then you're so well-informed and all your audience is so well-informed. Appreciate that very much. Thank you. Very, very kind. Thank you so much for coming. I'm going to do a quick last thing in the last uh, minute or so. So, you know, I talk on the show all the time about I hope that you feel like we're a community, that we have, you know, what my entire show is dedicated to is saving America, saving Texas, saving freedom. Uh, I'm doing a new thing. And I just want to just plant this seed and I'll talk about it more next week. Um, but if you are interested in joining in a little team that I am creating, uh, we're essentially creating an opportunity for people to get on board with a project that will essentially help America's economy, help American made businesses, help the American people. And any small group who's interested in hearing more about it. And there's gonna be a Zoom call this coming Wednesday, which is the 12th at 7 p.m. And you can get to that Zoom call uh, you can sign up for it by going to joinmyproject.org. Joinmyproject.org. Put your name in and your email address. There's a call next Wednesday. They're going to explain more about it. It's a Zoom call. You can listen and think, nah, not for me, or listen and think, yeah, I think I want to do this. But it really is a great opportunity to build a team trying to support the American economy, the American people, and really the future of freedom in America. Uh, it's a great project. Uh, I, I'm excited about it. It'll, I'll be on that call along with um, whoever joins us.
Uh, there's a limited number of people who can join. So if you're interested, check it out at joinmyproject.org. Uh, all that really is required is a good work ethic, uh, cheerful, friendly personality. You do this from home. It's uh, 10 hours a week or so. Uh, you have to have a computer and a phone and a friendly pro-America pro-positive, happy, patriotic attitude, and you will love it, I think. I'd love to have you learn more about it uh, on that call next week. This is America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. You, and thank you for joining us every day, Monday through Thursday, at 3 p.m. Central Time for America Can We Talk. The only reason I do this show is to talk truth about America, because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Thank you. Thank you very much. Can we talk truth about America? Can you